deadly serial contains adult language, discussions of violence, and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. Try to have fun. Don't take us seriously. What were those fantasies? What were they? Yes. Um, possessing the severed heads of women. Welcome to Deadly Serial. My name is Lee Moffat. With me, as always, is my lovely sister. Laura Dedrick, welcome. Now, this week, we've got part one of part two of Ed Kemper. Ed and Kemper. Couldn't be more excited. He's one of my favorites. One of our favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so heads up on this one. We have a lot of quotes uh, from an audio from him. Uh, this dude talked a lot. So heads I'm not. Up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't, I'm not trying to like glorify him or anything. I just want you guys to understand how scary this guy is. He's a he's a smooth talker. Um, I just wanted to include the disclaimer. He is a fucking monster, but he's very fascinating. Uh he's- it's easy to forget that he killed 10 people. Um, and like Lee said, he's one of our favorites, which is kind of weird to say, but... Everybody's got a favorite serial killer. Come on. Right? Especially if you're listening, you probably have a favorite serial killer. So no judgment from us here. No. Tell us what your favorite serial killer is at deadlyserialgmail.com. Let us know. We'd love to hear. Are you ready for this? Let's dive. Edmund Emil Kemper III was born on December 18, 1948 in Burbank, California. He was born to Edmund Emil Kemper II and Clarnell Elizabeth Kemper. He was the middle child with two sisters. Middle, middle child. Yeah, often the overlooked child, I would say. Yeah. I don't know. Neither do you. I think that's what they say, though. Yeah. Uh, he murdered 10 people, including his mother and grandparents. He's a, he's a, he's a big deal. His father, uh, known as E.E., actually served in World War II. After the war, he tested nuclear weapons in the Pacific Proving Grounds. This was basically islands in the Pacific Ocean where they did nuclear testing between 1946 and 1962, which I found very interesting. Boom. What a job. It'd be fun. It'd be interesting for sure. Uh, then he moved back to California, where he worked as an electrician, which is a perfectly respectable occupation. Absolutely. A lot of people go to school for it. Yeah. But Clarnell often complained about Edmund's menial electrician job. And he later said, suicide missions in wartime and the atomic bomb testings were nothing compared to living with her. And that, yeah. Clarnell, affected- <laughs> yeah. and that Clarnell affected him more than 396 days and nights of fighting on the front did. Fuck. Okay, yeah, it's- that'll give you an idea. It's pretty bad when you'd rather be in World War II than live with your wife. Yeah. Wow. That sucks. I missed the battlefield. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. take me back to those sweet nights of horror. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she, she was a bit of a prize, to, to say the least. Uh, Kemper stands nine foot six inches and has an IQ of one forty-five. He's a big boy. He's a big smart boy. Uh, yeah, this is the fifth highest IQ uh, when it comes to serial killers that they have tested. He is 
behind Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, who has an IQ of 167, which is fucking insane. Um, but he's ahead of Bundy, who clocks in at 136. And fun fact, he is tied at 145 with Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer. Hey, the IQ buddies. He weighed a whopping 13 pounds at birth, and by the age of four, he was a head taller than his peers. Kemper's mother was an alcoholic and was extremely critical and demeaning towards him. She was rumored to have had borderline personality disorder, which I'm not saying that is the reason why she was the way she was. I mean, there are a lot of people that have mental illnesses that aren't assholes. So, Of course, yeah. And there's a lot of assholes that don't have mental illness. Exactly. She would just shame and humiliate him. She would abuse him physically. Um, she made fun of his size, which at the age of 15, he was 6'4". That's how tall I am. I'm yeah. 32. Yeah. She called him a real weirdo. Oh. I know, but he, well, he is a real weirdo. <laughs> He's super weird. He is. Um, she refused to show affection towards Kemper for fear it might turn him gay. Which is so, so sad and fucked up. Yeah, it is. She also said he looked and acted too much like his father and that no woman would ever love him. Damn. Fuck. No. As a child, Kemper showed signs of trouble very early. He claimed to have had urges to kill his mother as early as eight years old. So he's the one who kills mom since he's eight? Eight. If anyone had cared or paid attention, they would have seen a very disturbed kid. But no one really seemed to care about Ed. He was forced to live in the basement of his home, which is nutty. Um, his mother was always worried that he would hurt his sisters in some way, like sexually molest to them. Uh, he never did either of those things, but because of his size and the fact that he was a real weirdo, that's what she was afraid of, that he would molest his sisters. Yeah, in the worst case scenario, I guess. Yeah. While living in the basement, Kemper had one cot, one sleeping bag, and one light bulb on a string. He said in the dark he could hear rats scurrying. Here's some audio of Kemper talking about his time in the basement. At a certain time of the evening, the family left the center room, the, the living room of the house. My mother and my sisters, or my sisters themselves, would go up to bed upstairs, where I used to go to bed upstairs. I had to go down to the basement. And an eight-year-old child had a tough time differentiating the reason in that. Why am I going to the basement? I'm going to hell, they're going to heaven. He would cut the heads off of his sister's dolls and would perform sexual rituals with them. Interesting. Yeah. He said he would get sexual satisfaction out of taking their heads off and holding them by their hair. He also loved the pop sound it made when he pulled the heads off. He said it really got him off. He was a kid, so that is not... <laughs> yeah. Oh. Kemper Kemper is also one of these guys that uh, you know he's a serial killer. Yeah, he's uh, he's a sociopath. Yeah, so he'll project whatever you want to see. Absolutely, and he'll, he'll be that person. Mm -hmm. He just tells you what you want to hear. Yeah, and in interviews, people want to hear really fucked up shit. So he gives them the really fucked up shit. Yeah, he does, and he tells it he so well. He's a very good storyteller, um, and he is, does not shy away from talking about anything that he's done or anything that's happened to him. Like, he is an open book, and he just talks and talks and talks. Yeah, he's a completely open book. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have much that he, he won't talk about. I don't, I mean, I don't know. He doesn't hide shit. No. 
he would talk his younger sister into playing a game they called gas chamber. His sister would blindfold him. He would sit in a chair and his sister would tie him down. He would pretend to die writhing in pain, which is a really weird game for kids to play. And I don't remember playing that game as a kid. No, me neither. That one. I didn't I even know what that was back like a gas chamber. <laughs> Despite his size, he was afraid of being hurt by other boys' age and had an extremely hard time relating to his peers and keeping friends. He was very socially awkward, even as a child. He was afraid of being hurt by other boys' age. He just sounds kind of like a weenie. Like, he is a bit of a weenie. He is a total weenie. His parents divorced in 1957 when he was nine, and he moved to Montana along with his mother and his two sisters. This was really rough on Kemper. He really loved his father. So, you know, it was difficult and things were already pretty difficult for Kemper just right off the bat. At the age of 10, Kemper buried the family cat alive. Oh. Yeah. He dug it back up a few days later, decapitated it and placed uh, its head on a stick. Fuck. Yeah. He loved cutting heads off. Yeah, he did. It was, (laughs) it was his thing. It was this thing from the get-go. A few years later, at the age of 13, he slaughtered another cat because he because the cat liked his sister better than it liked him. Just any excuse to kill a cat. Yeah, like he yeah, exactly. So with this cat, he killed it with a machete and let the blood flow over him, which is the nuttiest thing. Jesus. <laughs> That's rough. See, like, uh, he was born in the wrong century. Yeah, like like Vlad the Impaler shit. Mm-hmm. Like, he should be a Viking somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't he say in an interview that it is, like, our heritage to cut off heads? Yes, he does. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. He got a sick sat- satisfaction about lying to his family about killing the cat. He dismember this one but he kept some pieces of the body in his closet his mm. mom found him <laughs> she's like Uh-oh. you know get your cat parts out of the closet ed <laughs> take that shit outside you big weirdo oh god can you imagine just... just going into your kid's room and then opening up the closet and there's a bunch of cat guts everywhere what are you gonna I'd be do? like we're going to the doctor <laughs> yeah right now <laughs> yeah Get your shoes, get your shoes, get your coat. It's cold outside. Come on, we're going. We're we're going. Don't forget your straight jacket because that's where we're going. I'd be like, we're going to help you out, buddy. I know. Get them some help. I I would be terrified. Like, because my whole life I've been like obsessed with serial killers and watch me have a little serial killer kid or something. That's always my biggest fear. (laughs) You're good. I don't think your kid's going to be a serial killer. I don't think so either. He's too sweet. He's too sweet. When his older sister, Susan, uh, teased him about kissing an attractive teacher at their school, Kemper replied, if I kissed her, I would have to kill her first. Okay, Ed. That's just the way he thinks. Yeah. That's his way of thinking. He's so awkward around women. The only way that he can be around them is if they're dead. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, Interesting. He had two near-death experiences, um, both at the hands of his older sister, Susan. One time she attempted to push him in front of a moving train. Like, Jeez. no shit. What the fuck? <laughs> it's, it's like a movie. I know, it's pretty intense. Uh, the next time she successfully pushed him into a swimming pool in which he almost drowned. Yeah, that's easier. 
so she just sounds like a peach but you know i mean 10 lives would have been saved if he died in front of a train when he was a kid i agree yeah absolutely so when he was 15 he had enough of his mother's controlling domineering ways uh, he quit school and ran away to his father's house but his father had moved on and started a whole new family uh, his new family didn't really mesh well with Kemper's personality. He basically creeped them the fuck out. Yeah. Understandably so. Absolutely. Yeah. He's he's very off-putting and creepy. He is off. Yeah. Takes up too much damn space. Creepy, huge Ed. So he had to go. And he, he said of his stepmother, he didn't, he didn't want me around because I upset his second wife. My presence gave her migraine headaches. I can see that. I can see that too. All of a sudden, you're, you're living a life with, with the man you love. You're married. You have kids. You know, you've started a family. All of a sudden, this big fucking 15-year-old creepy-ass dude comes into your life and he's like sleeping in the guest room. I would have <laughs> migraine headaches too. Yeah, for real. Get out of here, you big weirdo. No. <laughs> Don't all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I sympathize <laughs> for everybody. It's hard. It's, I know I do too. It's really hard not to. He had such a rough time. So it wasn't working out with his, at his dad's house. Um, so his father pawned his creepy ass off to his parents. Uh, Ed Kemper Sr. and his wife Maud had a 17 acre farm in the mountains of North Folk, California. Kemper was set there around Christmas of 1963 and he just assumed it was for the two week holiday break from school. When Christmas was over, Kemper realized that his dad left him there to live yeah he just left him there yeah he he started school in north for no excuse me started school in north folk uh camper found his grandmother to be just as domineering and difficult to get along with as he did his mother uh nothing he did could please her and he said he was a walking time bomb so he did his best to keep his distance between him and his grandparents uh, especially his grandmother his grandmother, Maud, grew more and more concerned about Ed's behavior. Uh, he was just, you know, being weird. And she was scared of him. Rightly so. Uh, yeah, for, yeah, absolutely. Ed Sr., uh, Kemper's grandfather, had a forty-four pistol. On at least one occasion, Maud took the gun to town with her. She was worried that it might fall into Ed's hands, and she didn't want him to have that gun. Yeah, forty-four is like uh, it's a it's a human killer. That's that's what it's designed to do is just kill humans. Like it's a super powerful pistol, right? I mean, it's yeah, and okay. bullets are hard to find and all that shit. Okay, first this pissed Ed off. Like Maude had warned him not to not to touch the gun, and then she took it to town with her anyway. And he took this as a sign of distrust. And again, the tensions rose that summer, but. So he had a dog, which is nice. Hey. A doggo. We don't know what kind, though. No, I should. Damn it. It was Maybe a golden retriever. <laughs> was it? No. I don't oh, know. I was like, <gasps> oh, my God, how lovely. How cute. <laughs> what was his name? What was his name? <laughs> we must know the names of all the dogs. So, so he had a dog. He also had a 22 rifle that his grandfather had given him for Christmas. I'm not sure why they would give Ed a gun, but like you said, I mean, it, it had been given to him to sm hunt like small game on the farm. Yeah. It's not really like, I don't know, it's not the most effect effective in killing someone, I would imagine. It's a very small caliber bullet and people uh, 
you know, give it a lot of crap about, you know, not being very powerful and stuff like that. But people don't realize that the bullet of a 22 can go miles and miles and miles like and it can kill it can easily kill yeah it only takes one yeah so ed would spend time outside uh killing birds and small animals uh you know like he does his grandparents had warned him about killing the birds but he did it anyway kind of had an outlet yeah hobby the animals that trifecta Around the beginning of summer and after his school year, he went back to his mother and sisters in Helena, Montana. This would be a major setback for Kemper. Uh, his mother was his kryptonite, and he was with her for just two weeks before he was sent back to the farm. But it was just enough time for her to really break him down. And in his own words, he had regressed after this short stint with his mother and sisters he was more sullen and withdrawn and it was summer and he was always home on the farm. Just bored. this big, huh? Like bored and he's bored. always on the farm, like brooding with Pissed all this off. anger. Yeah. Like just a ticking time bomb, a giant monster. But I feel like if he was a normal, I don't want to say normal, but you know what I mean? If he wasn't a sociopath and a serial killer, he probably would have had a great time on the farm. He's got a little gun. He's got a dog. Hey, man, that sounds like paradise to me. Right, you're 15, you're a boy, I think you're living in the mountains on a farm. I think that would be nice. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. It depends on the people. That yeah, that, that is very true. Like, his grandma was apparently not, not that much of a prize either, so you're right. And his violent fantasies returned. Uh, he fantasized about killing his grandmother. He would think of shooting her while she was using the outhouse, which is pretty cold. <laughs> like mafia gang stuff. Yeah. Just like... Like a, like a Tommy gun. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Really rough. Why don't you throw a grenade in there, Ed? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and also, he had set his sights literally on his grandmother several times before he actually committed the murder. While her back was turned, he would line her up in his rifle and take aim. And he did this several times. Yeah, with with the gun. You know how, like, people do that with, like, fake guns? Yeah. I don't know. Is that is that, like, a weird thing to do? It is uh, weird. Well, it's, it's less like, weird than a real gun. I usually just, like, if I'm going to do anything behind somebody's back, I'll, like, flip them off. Flip them off, yeah. And then but, there's the shoot, like, Shooter McGavin. But that's a yeah. different kind of shoot. That's the good one. That's the... But yeah, a real gun, lined her up several times. Yeah. On August 27th, 1964, Maude was proofreading a children's book she was writing. Uh, it nice. was an adventure book for boys. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, Maude happened to look up and see Ed sitting at the table with her with a creepy fucking look on his face, and it freaked her out. She told him to quit it, and an argument ensued. So after that, he got up, he called his dog, which I really wish we knew the dog's name now, and grabbed his rifle. <laughs> he stated that he was going out to hunt. Maud reminded him again not to kill any birds, and I think that was it. That was the straw? I think that was the last straw. Ed walked out the door, turned around to look at his grandmother through the screen door with her back to him. He raised his rifle, like he had done many times, and shot her three times in the back of the head. Later, he also stabbed her several times to make sure she was dead. 
he said he stabbed her because he didn't think that she was dead and he didn't want her to suffer yeah like we talked about this before yeah and it's just like you're stabbing somebody i'm them sorry <laughs> i'm sorry this is hurting me worse than it's hurting you <laughs> if you don't want somebody to suffer don't stab them yeah that's that's the opposite of what you want to do yes you want to unstab them <laughs> yes ideally he then wrapped her head in a towel and dragged her body to the bedroom his grandfather arrived home from grocery shopping just moments after the, he killed his, his grandmother. Ed shot him in the back of the head while he was gathering the groceries out of the car with the same gun his grandfather had given him. He then stuffed his body in the closet. Here's a little audio of Ed talking about how he might have not been able to stop killing at this time. I ran away back down there. And then a month later, I'm up living with my grandparents in the mountains, and 10 months later, I murdered them. And if it had been in a city, I would have been a mass murderer at age 15. I would have killed until they gunned me down. I wouldn't have been able to reason my way out of it. I was scared to death, and I was violent. I felt my back hit that wall. I was the rabbit that always ran, that always backed away, always burned his bridges. So that's crazy. <laughs> later, Kimber stated that he only killed his grandfather because he didn't want him to see what he had done to his wife, Maud. He said he was afraid that his grandfather would have a heart attack if he saw her like that. And Kemper said it was a mercy kill, uh, which is just bullshit. Yeah. It's, that's just such bullshit. He said that he only thought about killing his grandmother and basically his grandfather was like collateral damage. It was basically a spree, but he was in an isolated area. So he couldn't, he, you know, he's like, I got two, but that's all I got. It's the best he's got. It's a, you know, you work with what you got. Yeah. So after the murders, uh, his first call is to his mother, which is interesting. Yeah. Not 911. Yeah. He sobbing and he confesses to her what he did to his grandparents. She urges him to call the police. Uh, he does. And then waits patiently on the porch for them, them to come and get him. That's good. Which is At least good and kind quietly. of. Yeah. He always did. Yeah, eventually. Which is surprising because of his size. Mm-hmm. He could take some people out. Yeah, I guess he just, uh, he's like, do I really want to do that? Yeah. Like, do I really want to pull this guy's spine out? What I think about him is, okay, yeah, he's a monster. He's very polite. I think he would think it impolite to assault a police officer. Yeah, you're right. Does that right. make sense? Like, he yeah. just seems so polite. You nailed it. Yeah. He's, so he's he too was, nice. He's He is. I mean, he's an evil person, but he's a nice guy. <laughs> it's very <sighs> strange. So he was taken in for questioning and confessed to the murders. Uh, Ed was 15. He was put in a juvenile detention center until they could figure out what to do with him because 15 is young, but he did kill two people. So, yeah it's yeah it's hard too young to be trialed as an adult yep so gotta put him somewhere else gotta figure something out when asked why he did what he did he he just said i just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma that's probably true yeah i think he just saw a lot of his mother in her saw the opportunity and just took it yeah i think he was for a long time too afraid to kill his mother oh yeah it was decided after a psych psychiatrist deemed him a paranoid psychotic uh, that Ed would spend his sentence in a state hospital. 
This place was far, far from a prison. Uh, there were no armed guards there. They did really focus on treatment and rehabilitation, but there were only 10 psychiatrists and there were 1600 murderers and sex offenders. So they were yeah. spread very thin. <laughs> and just as a side note, like I do believe that some people are past rehabilitation, but. Yeah, you and I have had this conversation mm-hmm. and uh, we both come to an agreement that um, some people just can't be saved. Some people, it's best to just lock them up and throw away the key. Yep. Uh, During his treatment at the hospital, he gained insights into his own behavior. He became self-aware of who and what he was. He never took responsibility for his crimes, but he learned how to appear normal and rehabilitated. He was a good sociopath. Very good. One of the best. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like him, Ted Bundy, I think they're right up there. Uh, This is so wacky. Okay. Uh, He even worked in the lab of the hospital during his incarceration. Uh, He helped doctors and administered psychological tests to other inmates. So (laughs) he took what he learned about psychology and applied it to his everyday life. He used it to manipulate and fool people. And like we said, he is really good at this. Uh, You can tell from the audio clips that he's a smooth motherfucker. He is. Big motherfucker. Yeah. And he would see these tests that they were given to the the prisoners and he would see what the normal response was for that question and he just memorized it. He memorized how to be a human being. Man, I need need that guide. Right? But he did. Some days I'm just like, (laughs) how do I human? Yeah. It's like being a human for dummies would be nice. He showed to be very interested in his job then. Uh, he always wanting to do his best. And it is said that usually uh, sociopaths do not do well with work, but Kemper excelled. Uh, now, his doc- Go ahead. Now they say that, but also sociopaths end up being like really good bosses because they don't give a shit and all they care about are numbers and they can give a fuck. That's very true. I don't know. I guess a lot of them have problem maybe with authority and answering to someone. Yeah. But being a boss, like I could see that. It's interesting. Uh, during this time, he also got to know his fellow inmates. Most were rapists. Yeah. Yeah. And some weird sexual sadistic thoughts started to brew again. Uh, he was 15, and that's a very impressionable age when it comes to your sexuality. I mean, imagine learning about the birds and the bees from a serial rapist. But he's also analyzing the patients with the doctors yeah. in the laboratory. Yeah. Because they're so short-staffed? I guess. And he he just charmed and talked his way into getting more rights than any anyone else there. He did the same thing in prison as well. He's yeah. just so fucking polite. And they're like, okay, Ed, sure, whatever you need, big guy. It's yeah. really bizarre. It really is. They told Kemper that it was best to kill a woman after raping her. Uh, they said it was easier and there were no witnesses. He kept all of this information he got from his fellow inmates in the back of his mind, just kind of saving it for later, marinating, mulling it over. But he never told the psychiatrist about his dark fantasies. And to them, he was doing great. He was on the road to recovery, you know, rehabilitated, ready to go. The hospital paroled him on his 21st birthday. His doctors strongly advised him being paroled into his mother's custody. 
In fact, his psychiatrist had told them, told him to cut her out of his life completely. Uh, they believed that she had very unhealthy issues when it came to Ed. Oh, shit. And in Ed's words, the doctors told him to not even send her a Christmas card. So what did they do? Uh, they paroled him into his mother's custody. Which is a terrible fucking idea. Yeah. So Ed was out. Ed was a dork. This was 1969, and he, there, you know, Vietnam was getting started at hippies, and he was far from a hippie. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he missed was, the whole hippie movement. He did. He missed the whole thing, and it's it probably was like just going into the hospital and then coming out and being a whole new world because it was mm. things really changed the past five years from then. Big time. Yeah. But he, I mean, he stuck out like in the worst way possible. He was clean cut. He was uptight. He was really big. Um, and he had missed his whole adolescence. He had been in the hospital from 15 to 21. And a lot happens in those eight, uh, during, between those ages. And he had missed a lot. And he, he wasn't like Mr. Personality to begin with. Mm-hmm. And he was just really behind uh, young adults, his age developmentally. And this, this is the clip we call Kemper Goes to Denny's. My first date was an absolute disaster. It wasn't her fault. You know? And I didn't blame her even then. I'm saying it was a terrible tragedy, but boy, was it, boy, she didn't ever talk to me again. It was awful. It wasn't sexual or grabbing at her. And I was just such a dork taking her to a John Wayne movie in Denny's. It's terrible. I'd never been on a date at 16. That was cool, you know? I'd never been on a date, you know? I was locked up since I was 15. But I can't tell her that. Oh, gee, you don't mind me. You know, she kind of got a hung up on my looks or whatever. You know, I mean, she's a gorgeous young lady. Pure class. And she saw something there that I guess wasn't there. And, boy, she found out quick. Kemper goes to Denny's. It's just like a whole mood for me. Like, what do you get? Does he get the Grand Slam? Oh, What's man. Getting I didn't there, Kemper? What does he get? <laughs> do you get OJ or coffee? is it i don't know but whatever he did he i don't know he probably like couldn't eat because he was too busy vomiting in the bathroom probably i was gonna say he's got the bg he's got the bubble guts he can't eat anything he's like just give me a water and a lemon that's for real like he would uh walk up to a girl or a girl would walk up to him he'd just start puking like no, stan like in stan south park from i south swear park? to god yeah <laughs> oh my gosh he just it's not girl pretty girl walks up to him he'll just fucking blah, all over the place Jeez. oh my goodness so he actually had uh big dreams that didn't involve murdering family members uh so that's refreshing uh this yeah he wanted to be a cop really bad mm-hmm. his juvenile records were sealed so the murders of his grandparents didn't hinder this you know dream However, due to the height requirement for being a cop, okay, so due to his size, he was not accepted in the academy because there is a minimum and maximum height requirement. So if you're interested, the minimum is 5'7 for a man and the max is 5, excuse me, 6'5 in bare feet for a man. I just thought that was interesting. So take your shoes off. I'm sorry, Ed. Yeah. You can't make it. You're too damn big. You're not too fat. Mm-mm. You're just too it's, tall. It's not because you killed two people. It's not because no. you killed your grandparents. Because we don't know about that. But And like, tall. if you're too short, like, uh, I guess, can you wear shoes? Would you wear like 
platform to use. When I Googled it, it said that it was six five and bare feet, but it just said five seven. So I don't know. I, I think it should all be barefoot if it's like I don't know. It's just a I think so. A strange way to do things. It is strange. I never thought about there being you being too big to be a cop. I just never thought about it. No, it's stupid. So he bought a motorcycle instead. Uh, he was, you know, he was awkward. He had zero experience in the dating department, as we heard. <laughs> and this only disheartened him more. He knew he could not relate to people his own age, and he really struggled with relationships. He just had a lot of mommy issues. Yeah. Ed's mother, Clarnell, had left Montana and settled back in California in Santa Cruz. Uh, she was a well-respected administrative assistant at the University of California, Santa Cruz. Uh, men would come and go in her life. Ed had several stepfathers and once said that his mother went through three husbands like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> Sounds like such a sassy lady thing to say. And for years, Clarnell had enjoyed the time without her son. I mean, let's just say she didn't lose any sleep over Ed being out of the house for, you know, five or six years. She really just had like such disdain for him. Yeah. Upon, he, she just hated him. And upon his return into her life, she said, I have not had sex with a man in seven years because of you, my murderous son. Maybe it's because of you, Clarnell. Maybe. Maybe it's your game. Pretty much as soon as he got out and was remanded into her custody, they started to fight. They would have screaming matches in her condo. They would fight about everything. Uh, one time getting in a huge fight about when Ed needed to get his teeth cleaned at the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> she would just like hound him incessantly. Yeah, well, we all need to, dental hygiene is very important. It's important. It does, shouldn't, you know, lead to violence. No, never. Uh, Clarnell gave Kemper a vehicle pass for the campus, but made sure to tell him he would never land one of those young co-eds. She said he was just like his father and no one would ever love him. She said that a lot. Yeah. And he said, my mother works at the university, but my mother wouldn't introduce me to any of the young ladies at the university because I'm like my father and I don't deserve to know any of these young ladies. He soon found a cop bar to spend his time, uh, the jury room. He would spend time there talking uh, with cops about different things. He would refer to himself as a friendly nuisance. He would talk about guns, ammo, cases, stuff like that. They actually liked and respected him, and they called him Big Ed. Yeah, they accepted him. Yeah. He would later go to the jury room and talk about the co-ed killer with the police. He was very bold. Uh, like most sociopaths, I don't think they they believe that they'll ever get caught. Right. And, and I mean, who goes to a cop bar and talks about it? But I, I feel like a lot of serial killers do this. They taunt, they push and see how much they can get away with, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they always uh, try to escalate and yeah. uh, push it further. He he was also extremely paranoid. Yes, yes, I, I always forget about that. He would, like, uh, obsess, like, he would know that people were around him, and he knew that people knew, and he was just totally paranoid all the time. Yeah. So he would always go to the, the cop bars and talk about it to see you know where they were on it because they would totally openly talk about it to like feel them out and see if they had gotten close to catching him yet exactly okay that makes more sense that it does okay all right he was able to get his gd and a little college under his belt 
He had various jobs here and there and eventually landed a job at the uh, Division of Highways, so like road work. Mm -hmm. And with this job, he was able to move out of his mother's house and into his own place with her roommate. Hey. Party over here, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Not so much. Uh, Oh. Yeah. His mother continued to berate and belittle him. Even with him out from under her roof, she would do pop-ins shit like that oh my god so she's like controlling the shit out of him outside yeah which i if i don't understand why if she hates him so much he's gone just leave him alone just leave it's him because alone. she just loves torturing him she must so around this time ed had a motorcycle accident uh because i'm sure that ed probably sucked at riding a motorcycle i just i don't see him being cool enough to <laughs> ride a motorcycle his uh i'm gonna say his uh inner center gravity is a little yeah. high <laughs> it's a little high like i just imagine it with like his knees up and like you're like a little crotch rocket but it's, it's a like regular... a little mario kart yeah <laughs> um but he really hurt his arm uh, in this accident and suffered a head injury so he was given time off work and a settlement of fifteen thousand dollars which is about a hundred and five thousand to a hundred and ten thousand dollars today yeah, I triple, you've triple checked this. I did. I triple checked and the sources were slightly different, but that's the rough estimate of the inflation, which is insane. And no wonder why no one can afford anything now. Anyway, I, I could talk about that, but times are changing. Yeah. We can only hope. Yep. With the insurance money that he got from his accident, he bought a car that bore a strong resemblance to an unmarked car. Shocking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He pimped his ride with a large antenna, a radio transmitter, and a microphone. He was a real policeman now. Oh, he's got the little junior official badge. <laughs> yeah. So, the, no, no. Okay, so I thought about this earlier. So I feel like if he wasn't a serial killer, he would be a lot like Dwight Schrute, but more awkward and weird. Yeah, he would be a non-funny Dwight Schrute. Yeah, yeah. It was in this vehicle that he began picking up young, pretty, petite hitchhikers. Uh, this was the late 60s, early 70s, and people did that shit a lot back then. Maybe that's why there's more serial killers. Yeah, it was super violent because everybody trusted each other. and Yeah, people were getting into randos cars too often. Now, like, I, I'm not victim shaming, but no, be careful. Be safe out there. Be safe out there. Ed would drive around a lot. Uh, he said to him, it symbolized freedom. Ed said to have picked up about 150 to 200 hitchhikers in his life. He said he initially picked them up because he simply wanted to get to know people his own age, which I don't buy that at all. I saw a lot of people out there and I picked up anybody that wanted a ride. So he would learn like how to talk to them. He would gain their trust. Uh, he's a charmer and he really learned how to play people and he was a pro at it. He didn't harm these women yet. He dropped them off safe, safely, but inside the fantasies and compulsion and kill were getting stronger and more specific. While spending time with these hitchhikers, he ran through every contingency of his plan. He would run through it over and over, the fantasies slowly turning into a reality. He would just when constantly he, keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Going a little, little further every time, you know? Mm-hmm. When he picked up a young woman he was attracted to, his thoughts turned to rape. He said, I decided to mix the two and have a situation of rape and murder and no witness or prosecution. If I killed them, 
you know, they couldn't reject me as a man. It was more of making a doll out of a human being and carrying out my fantasies with a doll, a living human doll. I am sorry to sound so cold about this, but what I needed was to have a particular experience with a person to possess them in a way I wanted. I had to evict them from their bodies. Yeah. He outfitted his quote unquote cop car. He made it to where it was impossible to open the passenger side from the inside, which terrifies me. It's fucked up. It is. He also put plastic bags, guns, knives, handcuffs, and a blanket in his car. Nothing suspicious there. There's my tools. They're just my tools. I need my tools. Fetish shit. Fetish shit. (laughs) For a time, he would continue picking up female hitchhikers, but still did not act on his fantasies. He would treat this as sort of an experiment. He gave girls rides for years before he ever acted on his killer impulse. Dum dum dum. Dum dum dum. That's the end of part one. What? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Next week's going to be crazy, y'all. Yeah. This week was pretty crazy. This week has been crazy. It's Not been- <laughs> just in the sense of, but it's just in the sense of us trying to get this damn thing going it's been a rough week for this and we were so damn excited about doing kemper we wanted to do it right and it's just been struggles <laughs> but but we're, we're gonna get it we're gonna make it and i hope that it's is it's it's good and uh, yes we love you guys and all your support all your continued support oh we do have a shout out leisha leisha Thank you so much for your email. You made, okay, we, ha- we had a rough week, but you made it so much better. You have no idea. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you and can't wait for you to, to stay with us and continue to watch us grow. Absolutely, Alicia. Thank you so much. And keep listening and tell your friends. Tell your friends. We'll be back next week with Ed Kemper, part two. Stay safe out there. Bye, guys. Please follow us on all social media platforms. Any questions or comments, email us at deadlyserial at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, the link is in the description.